Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this uh, now Friday. We are now uh, at the end of our week this week. This is uh, Friday the 5th of June of 2020, and definitely we have had a, a tremendous week uh, concerning the current events that are that are happening right now in our in our nation, even though it looks like little by little it's gone down, but it doesn't change the fact of where we're at at this time in history, at right. this time in 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 our nation's history. Uh, we find ourselves, I believe, in the most critical time, the most critical time we have ever been. In our nation, and I and I think it's clear uh, where we are heading uh, as a nation in in, in terms of, of where we stand and, and 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 what we've been that we will never ever ever be the same. But yet, in spite of all of this, um, as we've been studying, there is a remnant, you know, that uh, we spoke about yesterday in our Bible study a remnant that God uh, still has in America, a small remnant. And I believe that this remnant, whoever they are, are are a people that really is the only reason why we have not gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could be a lot worse. But it's the people of God, and that's what we pray, that God will continue to give us an influence to be able to declare these things boldly, to bring a warning to the people, a correction, an exhortation, but at the same time an encouragement for the people of God in this hour. But uh, we're so grateful. We have had some powerful days here in our um, in our podcast studying the book of Isaiah, the days of Isaiah, and the Lord has allowed us to see some things. And I invite you, if, um, if you haven't heard, this is your first time, second, continue, go back, and you will uh, be able to meditate on some of the things that have been said. Well, on this Friday, it's a pleasure again uh, to be here with our panel, uh, Brother Marty, uh, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah. It's always a pleasure to open the Word of God uh, with you and, and be able to share and fellowship in the Word with our listeners. And um, so at this moment, I'll leave it with Brother Marty uh, share what, to share what God has placed in his heart and uh, as we study the Word of God together. Well, praise the Lord. It's been quite a week in the in the Lord, and and uh, as we were, were exploring the uh, the writings of the prophet Isaiah, and um, and have been uh, having revealed to us some pretty incredible things that uh, God show has been showing us, and uh, we're we're really really uh, excited about what God is saying and and what He is leading the the body of Christ. Uh, to take a pause and take a look at uh, at where we are. I mean, the times are 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 incredibly volatile, and uh, we encourage you not to be carried away with the sense of emotions or the rising and the falling of of what you see with your eyes. Because the truth is, is that you know seasons come and seasons go, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and our anchor and and our guide. Uh, to what is actually transpiring will always be found in the Word of God. 
And so on Monday, uh, we're, if the Lord allows, we're going to continue exploring Isaiah as or as events dictate and the Spirit leads. But so far, uh, it seems that we, we will continue looking in uh, in Isaiah on Monday. So I encourage you to at least read the first chapter of the book of Isaiah over the weekend. And But we come to today, and as I was uh, meditating and, and seeking the Lord uh, over today's podcast with uh, with my with our brothers here, um, I was drawn once again to First Peter, and and uh, the Holy Spirit really blessed my spirit. And I want to just share uh, together with 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 Brother Fernando, Jeremy, uh, Jeremiah, and and Brother Jeremy uh, some things and some thoughts that I think we leave you with. You know, I want to begin with First Peter chapter one, and I'm going to read from the third verse to start with he says peter is speaking the apostle peter is speaking and he says blessed be the god and the father of our lord jesus christ which according to his abundant mercy he has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead verse four to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Uh, Those words, a lively hope, stood out to me. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, in these times of, of, of really great and tumultuous trials in our nation, you know, when all things are, are really uncertain and, and when we are seeing over our culture, our society, uh, you know, uh, it seems like society and the culture is coming apart at times. You know, people are freaking out everywhere. And these riots, these protests, the the, the COVID-19, you know, global lockdown. Uh, it, it's so bad that today they were rejoicing that instead of 14.2%, we have only 13.3% unemployed in this country. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, we're we're just we're just grabbing for straws now, man. You know, so, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's incredible, right? So, you know, we're we're witnessing our culture and our society coming apart, man. And 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 as I was reading this morning, uh, First Peter, uh, you know, the words of of, of Apostle Peter. Uh, they really they really hit my heart you know and, and and they gave they gave me great comfort and i felt like like we wanted to share that with with the listening audience you know because you know we can we can we can go through these things that we go through and at times they can be overwhelming like we were talking about yesterday things happen in such a at such a rapid rate now it's almost like we don't know what's coming from one moment to the next and it can be so right. overwhelming right so overwhelming and uh, but you know it seems like every Friday it's starting to become a custom with us here that we conclude our our week with with uh, going into the weekend with with words of hope really and and uh, yes. Yes. and understanding you know and 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 as I read today where you know Peter said blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, you know, I could, I could, I began to really meditate on Peter, and and uh, I, I love him. He's he, he's 
I, I can relate in some ways to him <laughs> and the way he acted before, you know, God finished with him and stuff. But, you know, as he's writing this, uh, I think I, I identified with him, and I know you do too, brothers, because I was thinking at him from the perspective of how he's writing. He's writing as the apostle, you know, to the church. And, and, and I know that he's feeling the weight you know, of the collective emotions of the early church, you know, the church of his time. Because remember, he's writing to them in the midst of, of many trials that they're going through. And I, I was thinking of our time and the church in our nation. And, and you know, just the things we've heard over the last several weeks from, from, from really beautiful and blessed saints of God that feel uneasy, feel the weight of, of, of history happening to you, you know. Uh, it, it feels like that, that the events are coming at us and, and, and it can create a climate of, of despair, you know, especially right, right. in this, in this, in this time when, when the people are really are lacking true shepherds and true pastors of the Lord who, who like the apostle Peter, you know, have the discernment to understand the collective emotion that the church is actually feeling the true church. And so he right. writes to them in the midst of their trials, and and I and I could kind of feel the semblance of, you know, a kinship to the to the early church as to what's happening now in this in this last day church. And as I was thinking about it, you know, one of the things that I really began to marvel at uh, before we get into what he actually said to us, and I always marvel at this, and we can discuss this, you know, just jump in whenever you want, but I marvel at how the Lord, you know, took these great men from just simply being, you know, regular guys to becoming apostles, man. It's just, you know, because really they were men that were like us, right? I mean, all of us uh, and, and them as well were, are, are people who, you know, we all experience the same emotions and we have, uh, you know, the collective same experiences that are common to everybody. Uh, we all have hopes and dreams for our family, right? And, and 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 like us back in the first church, they they knew the toil of this world, and much mm -hmm. like us, you know, they lived in times that were cruel and volatile, and you know, really uncertain. You know, they were just living their lives. When I think of the apostles, you know, especially Peter, who's writing these things, you know, he was just living his life. You know, they were providing for their families. They were trying to provide a better future for their children in the hopes that they would, you know, their children could grow up in a world that, that wasn't as cruel as their world, where, where they could live in peace and raise their children. And, you know, the common things that we all experience, but they were hard times too, you know? They were just trying to put food on the table, man, <laughs> and, and live right. in peace like, like everyone else, right? right. And, and so it's, it's that kind of historical feeling, and I've gone quickly through it, but you know, when Peter writes to them, he's writing as a, as a man who's experienced the same things as us. A lot of times we hold these men out and we should honor, of course, them and all that. But we forget that they were just men like us. And that when they write, you know, when they write, it's from the position of a life that's been completely changed and developed by Jesus now becoming a shepherd of, of, of his church 
you know, Peter's life, like all the others, was was into that climate that we were discussing. His life suddenly one great day, it absolutely and totally changed. And I and I think before we can get to the fullness of what you know and and, and take the seasoning, if you will, of what he says when he says, "Blessed be the God and Father Hallelujah. of our Lord Jesus Christ." Let's just look at a little of his background and what what brought him to say that because there's a fullness of expression that he's trying to to flow out of his own heart and literally flood the collective spiritual consciousness of a church up under cruel and and and, un, and unstable times because when he speaks it he speaks it with the hope of elevating the heart from a position of despair and being overwhelmed to one that breaks through that oppression that is being unleashed in their time. And subsequently, our hope today is to communicate the same thing for the church in our time. And I think to fully understand that and to fully understand why he writes the way he does, we need to understand or at least explore a little bit of the great transformation that took his life from simply being a common man like all of us to one that after the Lord and the Holy Spirit would be done with him, he would truly become a father and a foundational stone of the church. And so when he speaks to the church, it's with that feeling and that hope and that incredible uh, flavor of a life that's been brought through multiple experiences of highs and lows, of victories, defeats, of of resurrection, of hope and purpose and, and eternal significance. Once a fisherman, now a fisher of men, right? So, you know, as I was thinking about him and, and, and thinking about how they were changed and how they were developed to becoming uh, those who fully embrace what they were uh, you know, developed into being and then fully embracing uh, their brethren who didn't have the same experiences and had not yet been fully perfected, but were growing in the things of God, which is what he goes on to say, right? If need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation that the trying of your faith, he says to them, which is more precious than than gold uh, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he he has this 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 very perceptive spiritual discernment of what God's children are feeling at that time. And unlike him, they have not yet had the benefit of a full experience so that they could rise to that point of being absolutely anchored and solid in the things that the gospel is it was is proclaiming to them. And and so he comes with that feeling. He comes with all the collective experiences of his life. And, and like we said, his highs, his lows, his 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 great victories, and yet even the rebukes that Jesus would give him, or from walking the water to sinking in the water, you know, from boldly taking his sword out in the Garden of Gethsemane to to denying that he even knows the Lord as his Savior, to weeping bitterly and yet standing on the day of Pentecost full of the Holy Ghost and preaching the inaugural sermon at the birth of the church. This is a life that is wrapped up in all that he's saying here as he writes his first epistle to a church that's completely 
up under the same kind of trial and chaotic experiences that he himself is completely familiar with. And so it's, it carries with it that resonance when he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as he goes on to say. But let's let's just take a look at this. And Jeremiah, uh, are you there in Mark chapter 1? Yeah. Okay, could you read for us, uh, beginning with the 14th verse through the 17th verse, please? Okay. Verse 14. And it says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting the net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Praise God. So there we have, there we have the account of, of when his life completely changed. And the times that he was experiencing, right? John the Baptist has been put in prison. The ministry and the prophetic ministry of John had shaken the nation. The Bible tells us that it was almost practically after 400 years of silence. When you read your Bibles from the close of the book of Malachi to the opening of the book of Matthew, it's about a 400 plus year period where the establishment of religion and the coldness of religious ritual had taken deep root within the climate of, of the then current society that Peter, James, John, and the apostles would find themselves in, and their families, and Israel as a whole. You had a global state in the Roman Empire. Daniel would describe it as the exceedingly fierce beast, this, this global empire of political and military tyranny. And you had an aristocracy that had filled the once promised land of Israel, apportioned geographically to those who were the wealthiest among them that could buy position or power amongst the people. And you had a, a ruling religious elite class that would minister uh, nothing more than edicts and, 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 uh, and, and, and enslave the people to a religious experience rather than a relationship uh, with their God who had long ago seemed to fade into the distance so that there was not even any more open prophetic voice from God. The word of God grew precious. And for 400 years, it would seem as if silence had gripped the land. And I think it's important to understand that because all of that centuries leading up to their time produced a generation of people that were much like we are today, you know, history had unfolded, religion had become well entrenched, uh, you know, factions had emerged like the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, the Sadducees, you know, the Herodian dynasty was in power, a man who was part Jewish and part uh, Gentile, you know, and, and, and their family became the ruling governors uh, uh, the, of the aristocracy of, of, of the once promised land. But the people who had begun with such incredible fanfare by being delivered by God under the hand of Moses and Aaron under great display of the power of God and the destruction of the Egyptian empire and the defeat of Pharaoh at the Red Sea and his army, 
who crossed into the wilderness and was sustained by God for 40 years. Their children inheriting the promised land under the guidance and leadership of Joshua and Caleb as they crossed the River Jordan and began the acquisition of the land that had been promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This people who saw God come down on Mount Sinai in great power and display with 10,000 times 10,000 angels and fire, the Bible says, had now all these thousands of years later, a couple thousand years later, come to this point where they were now after two after a captivity and then a rebuilding of a second temple and then 400 years of a religious establishment being well entrenched and empowered and validated in that power by a gentile power called the roman empire into this which was a high taxation situation and 50 percent of the world up under the slavery of a global government and, and, and when it came to the Jews, a people that had long ago lost the vibrancy of the once great, now pretty much just children's stories to most, God who mm. delivered them. That's the climate they lived in. And into this, as we know, as you study your Bible, suddenly God breaks the silence of it all. And what, what astounds me and when you think of it in this way is, is, you know, Israel uh, from the north to the south is about 100 miles or so, maybe longer, a few hundred miles at length. So up there in the north is where, you know, Peter and James and John and Andrew lived and Philip up by Galilee. Brother Jeremy quoted a few weeks ago about, um, <clears throat> you know, where you were quoting that scripture where it said, uh, you know, uh, that, that in Galilee, you know, a great light has arisen, right? The people that sat in yeah. darkness saw a great light, right? So, so unbeknownst to them at the beginning, which is interesting to me, at the beginning of this all, <clears throat> John the Baptist comes on the scene and shatters the glass ceiling of religion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and he's, he's in the wilderness. And he's not in these fancy robes. Jesus described it. He even asked the people at one time, he said, who'd you go out in the wilderness to see? You know, a man in soft clothing, you know, a reed shaking in the wind. No, he said he was the greatest prophet of all amongst women. Right. And, and, and he said, and so into that whole climate we've been talking about and, and trying to describe, John shows up on the scene and begins to preach. It was such anointing and power that, that the the message of it began to to resonate across the territories and 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 throughout the cities amongst the common people and 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 I can imagine in my heart you know when we're talking about this that that Peter's up there in Galilee just being a fisherman you know mm -hmm. he, he he's just taking care of his wife his kids we know his mother-in-law lived with him right <laughs> if you know the gospel so <laughs> right you know he's, he's taking care of his mother-in-law too and uh you know he's in business lord help him lord yeah he's help in him. business lord help him <laughs> 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 yeah so he you know he's in business with james and john you know but something weird happened over cuz yeah. we know that john pretty much you know, his ministry was very limited, and, and, and some say it was only about six months long. It was very brief. Mm -hmm. And 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 so something happened, because he's ministering out there 
in the wilderness just off to the side from where the temple is located in the Judean wilderness off the side where, where uh, Jerusalem is. But mm. somehow the, the word spread uh, all the way up into Galilee, and we know that John and Andrew, uh, they, they kind of got curious, and they left Peter and James. And they went to follow John. So they went 100 plus miles or so, maybe further from home. And I can't really, uh, <clears throat> you know, describe it as well as I feel it in my spirit and can see it in my spirit's eye. But, you know, Peter and James being the older brethren, what they must have felt like with the two younger ones saying, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take a vacation for a while and go check out this crazy prophet in the Judean wilderness, because that's what they did. They left. And, and and they discover this prophet preaching about the Messiah's coming. And it totally transformed John and Andrew's life. It, it, and yet Peter has yet to be affected by it. And at the same time, Jesus is only months away from making his public appearance and having John, mm. right? And so these events are beginning to 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 flow together and all the while being an unsuspecting regular guy just trying to feed his family, James, John, and the others, they're just up there fishing and they have no idea that the Holy Spirit is beginning to move in their direction and that he's going to come and radically uh, uh, change their lives forever. See, when Peter says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's with a full heart, a heart that, that can say with great depth, my God, I was just a fisherman, you know, but I, I met the son of the living God. And I want you to know him, you who feel despaired, you who feel up under turmoil, you who feel numb to the to the to the to society we're witnessing crumbling all around us, you who who can't get you a bearing. I felt that way, and that's why we're exploring this, right? So so John and Andrew go, and and they become the disciples of John the Baptist. And brother Jeremy, I want before we get back to Mark, I want you to read something because <clears throat> what what happens is 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 that Jesus finally finally comes and he's recognized by John. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes the sin of the world. And then the Lord goes off for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and there he experiences his first trial and he defeats the devil in the wilderness. And then he comes back to where John is baptizing. And he passes by again. And, and let, let's read in, in John chapter 1, Brother Jeremy. Let's see what scripture that is. Oh, 40, uh, 41. Yeah, 40. Yeah, just before that, though, I want you to read a little bit of for context purposes. So, so okay. we, uh, yeah, just start, just start the uh, verse 35. Start at verse 35, would you? Sure. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and said unto them, 
What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwelleth thou? He said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Read verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, and thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. My God. My Lord. So here we have a, a little bit more of the background, right? Andrew's been up there hanging out with with the Apostle John, James's brother, and Andrew. They're they're hanging out with John the Baptist, and and they see Jesus. They see John baptize Jesus, and they see Jesus go away. And then when, so when we began reading in verse 35, where it says, uh, let's see, verse 35, it says, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples looking upon Jesus, Jesus comes walking by. So what we're hearing there is that this is when Jesus emerged from the wilderness. And John identifies him again as the Lamb of God. And and then he 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 releases them and says, you go follow him. You in another gospel, you know, John the Baptist lets them go. This is John and, and Andrew, and they go follow the Lord. And and what's astounding to me, is, which I find really cool, is is they ask the Lord where he lives. You know, and and it, it appears that uh, that they followed him all the way home. You know, so we're miles away from where John is baptizing, because we know that Jesus had a house in Capernaum, right? And and in order for Andrew to go get his brother Simon, they had to have already gone all the way back up into the north, which is up by the Sea of Galilee. So we're looking at at, at uh, this particular part that it's quite possible that John had removed himself from where he was baptizing early on in the Jordan all the way up towards Capernaum, where the Jordan also flowed from the north. So it's closer to Capernaum. That's why it says that he went and found his brother and brought him to the Lord's house. He brought him to Jesus. And I find that really cool because this is the day that's described when Peter would first meet the Lord. What Jeremiah read about them leaving their nets and immediately following him is after days of being around the Lord. But this is the first encounter. And I love the heart of Andrew because the first thing he thought about was finding his big brother and saying, we have found him, right? He found his own brother. And he said, we have found the Messiah. We found him. Which which is really cool to me because that meant that there was an expectation in the air. Remember, we talked about the 400 years of silence, right? But after six months of John's preaching, man, I mean, the, the anointing was so great and so strong that it literally caused, because the Bible says so, that the people's hearts were in expectation, right? The anointing, yes. the, the the word that he was preaching, you know, the, the the Lamb of God is coming, the baptizer in the Holy Ghost is coming, 
You know, the one that that uh, that the king of the living God is coming. I mean, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm John was preaching like that, man. And so we know the presence and the anointing of God was on on the message John was preaching because because it reached all the way up into Galilee, man. And and he got right. a hold of right. He got a hold of John and Andrew, and they were like, "We got to go check this out." So their expectation yes. was high, right? And <laughs> yes. go ahead, say something. No, it's a voice that did not come from the establishment. Right. It was coming outside of the establishment, symbolically speaking, and literally from the wilderness. Now, you know, as you've been saying, Brother Marty, the last few podcasts, the people, just like in the days of Isaiah, had become professional religious people. And we see the, the, the almost... When Jesus comes, they're they're at their culmination where they're they're controlling. You know, they they're in the temples. They're they they are in connection with the political people, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. They are uh, they're walking with them. They control the temples, you know, and 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 all of this. They become they have control over the people, but yet that is at the precise time that John the Baptist begins. And he's not coming from the establishment. He could have been from the establishment, right? He was a son of a um, of a Levite, a son of yeah. a of a Levite. But yet God has him in the desert, and so the people, if you want to call them the common, whatever you want to call them, the, but the people begin to go outside and begin to hear something different. It doesn't go in 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 connection with what they're saying. He's declaring something else. He says, you know, you know what you said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so yeah. this gets the attention of the people there, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they go and see something is happening. But all of this was taking place, that's what I wanted to make the point, outside of the establishment. Yes. There was a voice in the wilderness. And and how that parallels what what I believe that what what we're talking about it parallels our time because I was talking to my wife the other day and we were discussing I said you know honey I I've never <laughs> I never thought that I would reach the time in my Christian experience where I could look across the landscape of visible churches and 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 uh, and, and national media in in Christian circles and and come to the point where you never even rarely hear the name of Jesus anymore in in our messages right. in our church i mean it's insane and 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 the gospel that they call a gospel is a false gospel it has nothing to do with anything and and it's it's as if we like brother jeremy was just saying we have reached the apex of of a religious establishment that goes about its business and yet is completely undiscerning of, of the times and incapable of making sense of them. And, and God has, has had to, and I believe he's stirring now, he's begun something just like he did then. Because what we've been told in the Bible is that prior to the second coming of the Lord, this same kind of ministry is going to be, come to the forefront, this John the Baptist-like ministry. And don't let us not lose sight of what we're talking about here, because what we're talking about is the Apostle Peter. And what infiltrated his life, what burst into his life at the most unexpected moment in a time where he was just living his life. My, my little brother is off chasing prophets, right? You know, <laughs> but I got, you know, I got to provide here, right? So 
I mean, right. it, it, it's an incredible thing. But see, events uh, superseded his experience. You know, the events of the day, uh, and, and because they were historical times and they were prophetic times. And, and whether he understood it or not at the time, which, of course, he couldn't, but later when he writes, you know, it's with all that in mind that these events sought him out. The flow of the spirit came into his world and it would never be the same again. And it began with with the rise of, of the prophetic declaration that Jesus is coming the first time. Right. And it radically changed everything. And it was brief. It was sharp. It was intense. But see, the Bible, like we, those of you who've been following us, tells tells us right that He declares the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. So we know that as we look at the pattern of what happened in the historical narrative of the beginning, at these times when Jesus came the first time, so we're going to see it now, and I think we're seeing it. There is a stirring taking place. There is a, a, a troubling of of the waters, if you will. Things are not going to settle. They're very volatile. You might have, you know, periods of time where it seems like, eh, you know, whatever. But for the, the truth is, is that birth pangs have begun. Things are happening at a rapid pace. So it, it begins to set the scene if you're spiritually discerning to begin to look for what? For the right message, for the right anointing. Think of this. After 400 years of silence, John the Baptist is raised up by God, who Jesus said is functioning under the spirit of Elijah, who had been promised to come in advance to, to declare and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so John rises up and, and it, it, it also, if, if we take the time to reflect on it, lets us know the difference between religion and relationship, the difference between craft of oratory and true anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit. Because for 400 years, those boys had their time to establish religion, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, all that kind of stuff. And it did absolutely nothing to affect the culture. They had become professionally proficient at, uh, at administering the festivals of Passover and Pentecost and, and Feast of Tabernacles. And, and, and it was about the religion, the business of religion. But one guy in the desert blew away 400 years of deadness because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us the Bible tells us that when Mary, Jesus' mother, came pregnant with Jesus in her belly, and, and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, the Bible says that when Mary greeted Elizabeth, that the child in, in Elizabeth's womb, which would be John the Baptist, got full of the Holy Ghost and began to just kick and shout inside his mother. Yeah. So, yes. so this is what we're looking for. We're looking for that anointing that's coming, a salutation of the Lord himself, uh, the spirit of Christ within us, the, the, the declaration from heaven. There are those that have been in the womb of, of delay, if you will, for, for the time that it is meant to be born. Something is being born. Understand that when we see such incredible intensity as we're witnessing throughout the world, let us be spiritually discerning and understand the pattern of prophetic history throughout the ages. 
Whenever such tumultuous times take place, as it relates to the people of God, it's because the enemy is trying to prevent something. Right. Whether it's in the days yes. that Moses was born, who Pharaoh's magicians, according to, to some historical accounts I've read in the histories of Egypt, Pharaoh's magicians and soothsayers had warned him that from the Hebrews a deliverer was coming. And that is one of the reasons that he, he tried to kill all the Jewish children to prevent this, this, uh, this uh, Moses from being born. And so the intensity with which the devil moved upon Pharaoh to slaughter the children uh, happened in Moses' day. And, and we learn from that. Or in the days of Jesus when he was born. You know, when, when Herod heard that, that, uh, there, that the Magi came and said, hey, we're looking for the, the king of the Jews, right? Well, when did you hear about him? When did, he said, oh, about a year and a half ago. So what did he do? He went and had all the children two years old and under uh, killed trying to get at the Messiah. So what am I saying? I'm saying when you see tumultuous times like that, when you see historical times and times that are vicious and violent and, and, and unstable, let us be discerning as the people of God. Now, I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the people of God to know something prophetic is happening and, and, and look beyond the, the obvious exterior that's being, uh, you know, lived out in front of us right now and understand behind it all something magnificent is is trying to be prevented from coming forth and what is that magnificent there are promises in the scriptures of god just before the coming of the lord that that god is going to pour out his holy spirit upon his handmaidens and his servants upon your sons and your daughters and what are they going to yes. do Amen. they're going <laughs> to prophesy and what are they going to prophesy Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hallelujah. And yeah, so... <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, you, you think you think about the life of Peter, Brother Marty, Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah, and he was in the business of 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 of, of fishing, of being a fisherman, right? Which really uh, it encumbered him so much because it required him to work at all hours, sometimes through yeah. the night. You know, yeah. and it, you know, now it doesn't mean that he didn't love God, that he wasn't searching, because obviously Andrew introduces him. So it tells me he was searching, but he was probably disillusioned, just like most people today with church. Why would I want to go to church? And look at the system that was upon them in the times of Jesus, yeah. you know, uh, and, and but at the same time, the appointed time came for John the Baptist to come and he as the angel appears to Zechariah, right, and, and Elizabeth and but it it appears that for five or six months there was no movement in that belly, right? And yes. I could I could just imagine I could just imagine this is just me imagining the thoughts that came to Elizabeth many times, could this be true? I'm too old, you know? And it, that was the enemy trying to probably, you know, attack her in that manner. You know, that prophetic voice is not going to come out. But all of a sudden, as, as you just mentioned right now, Brother Marty, uh, <laughs> she encounters uh, uh, Mary, <laughs> who already has been impregnated, right, with, with Jesus. And when she meets Elizabeth, that connection, the salutation causes that to come alive in her. And I believe that we are in that point in, in, in time what it's coming alive, the prophetic, 
what what because it seems like there's been a silence for these last years, doesn't it, brother? You know, many of oh, our prophets, you know, they, they have died and passed away, and it almost seems yeah. like there's been you know no voice. But now all yeah. of a sudden something is brewing, something is about to come out, a prophetic voice that I believe that God is going to send one more time. And when I speak about a prophetic voice, I'm not speaking about thus saith the Lord God is going to. Pro-. I'm not talking about a charlatan that that we see today. No, I'm talking about a voice that points to the coming of Jesus Christ. Because you said what, that is the message that of the hour. Repent, yeah. Jesus Christ is coming again. So I'm seeing as you're speaking all these parallels that that are, that are happening, but always to what to reach out to that Peter. And that's what I believe yes. when people find themselves like Peter encumbered, but yet there's a searching, where is it? I don't see it today. You know, like you said, in America, we're at a time where we don't see a, a true voice, but it's coming. It's here. It's coming. Yeah, amen. That That's inspiring. You know, what you made me think about also in that is that it wasn't, we know now that the baby wasn't dead because some scholars think that, you know, that Elizabeth had never, you know, the baby, she thought the baby was dead, but we know that no. the baby wasn't dead. And to right. me, you know, you know, to, you know, to turn it into a symbolic thing for our time, uh, it, there's, there's something growing in the womb of, of, of the prophetic fulfillment of God, a younger right. generation, a younger generation, if you will, like the Jeremiah's and, and, and young guys like me, I'm kidding. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but, see, but see, the baby was silent, man, because the fact of the matter silent, is, is nothing, nothing's going to move it until it actually hears the real voice of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? And, 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 uh, and Brother Morty. Yeah, go it, ahead, Brother. <laughs> it, no, and, you know, when we think of this experience uh, from when, you know, Peter's watching all this taking place, you know, from the yeah. voice crying out in the wilderness, six months of, some say he, John the Baptist prophesied six months to the ministry of Christ. So this is a yeah. span of about four years, yes. right, from from the prophetic yeah. voice coming forth and then Jesus' ministry ending, and then it came and went, so to speak. And and Damn. so this happened so fast in in, in, in Peter's life. This, this, like you said it so well, the seeking out, the word seeking out Peter and, and the other disciples, but we're talking about Peter here. Yeah. And, 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 it, and, it, and it's, we're in the same, I believe, we're in the same situation right now. I believe the prophetic voice of God is going forth, but it's not being found where you think you're supposed to look for it. <laughs> right. But it's, the word of God is searching you out. You're probably listening to this. And you find yourself like Peter, right? And you're like, man, what's going on? I'm trying to make sense of what's taking place, what's what's going on in my society, what's going on in the church, and so forth and so on. And, and, and it's so powerful because if you think about it, it's only been three months since the pandemic started and then all this writing, but it yeah. feels like an eternity. It does. Right? Yeah. It feels it like it's forever. But, but no, it's only been a couple of months. Right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, so. What what we're saying is that we like Peter found himself. I believe many believers find themselves as well at this moment. Exactly. Yes, they're at a, a a crucial point, right? The word, the prophetic word of God, is going forth. His brother went and followed a prophet, right? And and, yeah. and he came to tell him, "We, you know, we found the one." 
you know, and, and so forth and so on. So this is what's taking place right now. And the word of God that you're listening to today is, is searching you out yeah. and making you consider and that making you ponder <laughs> what, 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 what the Lord is trying to do with me and what is he saying. My this goodness, is so powerful. This is so powerful. <laughs> You're making it. There's like a million ways we could talk about it because I was thinking while you were talking, I was thinking, you know, think about that. You've got the older generation, the practical ones, right? You know, you've got Peter and James. They're, they're doing their thing. They're working hard. And then their little brothers, John and Andrew, you know, they're the they're like the relatives that are always, you know, I mean, we're looking, they're, they're yeah. the spiritual ones, right? You know, and, Ah, go ahead, go go walk a hundred miles and go find that crazy prophet we've been hearing about, right? We we gotta work, man. But they let him go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's so cool about it is they have no idea at the moment right. that when they come back, not only will they never be the same, but neither is Peter or James ever gonna be the same. Mm-hmm. And shortly right. after that. Philip, right? So what we're trying to encourage our brothers about around the world right now is, listen, it could very well be that Andrew's on his way to your house, praise God. (laughs) And he's going to bring you to Jesus, man, and your life is never going to be the same again because he's looking for a few good men, right? I mean, and women that'll stand up and and make a difference in this. And and Brother Jeremy, when you were talking about the deadness of, of the womb of Elizabeth till Till he heard, uh, I thought about Father Abraham because uh, that scripture came to mind where it said, Abraham staggered not at the promises of God, right? And neither, mm. neither it says, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, you know, right. And, 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 right? So I think from that, we get that idea of, look, we have promises from God. Yeah, things are falling apart. Yeah, everything sucks, man. I mean, the whole nation is going nuts. The world is going crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. And it looks like Sarah's womb is dead, right? We had promises that the Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh, that our sons and daughters are going to prophesy, that it's going to be a glorious church that's going to be brought through the fire, the kind of church that Jesus is coming back to rescue. And though it seems like thousands of years have passed by right hey right when you least yes. expect it the baby starts kicking <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> glory and hallelujah. it's not going to be like anything else those of you who know your bible remember after john was born and then they went to circumcise him right and 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 uh, they said what's his name and, and they said oh you got to call him zacharias because that's his daddy's name and and elizabeth spoke him and said no his name shall be called john you know, what's happening now is not anything that's been seen for generations, man. <laughs> and it's not going to be labeled by the, the the popular religious community. No, it's going to be declared by the Spirit itself. The Spirit of Elijah is coming. And it's going to yes. bring people. It's going to bring G- people to Jesus. See, that Spirit right. of Elijah was on Andrew, right? I mean, it, Amen. Out, right? <laughs> Amen. Hanging out. He's been hanging out with the, with Elijah, with John the Baptist, right? And what? So what did yeah. that spirit do? I got to go find my brother and bring him to Jesus. That's that spirit. That'll be the mark of what we're sensing, you know, in our time. And it kind of gives us a hint at, at at why, you know, even a much more of a fullness of why Peter would write, you know, know this also that in the last days, uh, 
scoffers will come, right? Saying, where is the promise of his coming? Remember when right. Peter wrote that in Second Peter? Mm-hmm. You can now kind mm-hmm. of feel like maybe he he has within his mind how what you guys were describing so beautifully is like, you know, I'm just going through my, my business here. Um, I, I didn't think it was any particular kind of spectacular prophetic moment. Until Andrew right. brings me to this guy. <laughs> right, right, right. So he used you know that. What? <laughs> no, brother, it, it's tremendous because um, in, in a small little way, this is really what, what this podcast is all about. We're just okay. a little small unknown people from Galilee. We're away from all this. <laughs> yeah. We're away <laughs> you from know, yeah, we're away from Rome, but we're just trying to tell people, we're just trying to bring them to Jesus. But I wanted to say something because I think it's important to mention. There's something that is in common with, with Elizabeth when you speak about Elizabeth, Sarah, or even like Hannah. And what's common yeah. in them is is that the Bible, the Holy Spirit directs us to a very specific thing that it says, that God is the one who caused them to be barren. This was not yeah. the devil. This was the Lord purposely. And and what this created in the atmosphere in their lives was a cry within them for a voice to come out, right? For a child, right? And yeah. and and because the Bible, when he appears to um to Zachariah, he says, you know, I have heard your cry, your prayers, you know, and 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 this has been done intentionally to create that in in the people uh, a cry, Lord, we need a voice in this hour. And I believe that God has heard the cries of his people, of his servants, who are saying, yeah. God, if nobody wants to go, send me. As you said, right, with Isaiah, God, who, who see the, that, that the problem in, in our nation, yes, racism is a problem in our nation, but that's not the issue with our nation. The issue with our nation is a deeper problem, is a heart problem. And we need yeah. a prophetic voice in this hour to awaken the people. Think yeah. about it. When you read in the Gospels, the condition, especially, you always hear it about, and and so and so's daughter or son. What what were they? The, the 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 common thing is they were either demonically possessed, right, paralytic, demon possessed, blah. This is all in the times of Jesus. This is what this had produced, right? And and yeah. so here comes John the Baptist, you know, and and you know, and the message of Jesus Christ, which was the same: repent. <laughs> for the kingdom of God is is at hand. So we, we, we are seeing the parallels, and, and God is hearing, and he's coming in this hour for those Peters. Yeah. Those Peters that, that you know, they're, they're, they're fixing their net, and, you know, what else is there to do? This is what, you know, that's who God is coming to awaken in this hour. Praise God. So, yeah. And and then what what that's that's excellent and and what Jeremiah read which has led us to all this discussion was when 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 Jesus finally goes by and says uh, come follow me you know in Mark chapter one it, it says you know immediately they dropped their nets and followed him they forsook their nets and followed him and this is after time now you know it's that ultimate decision that Peter made to follow him. Because we know that the first thing we read there, Pastor Jeremy read, was that, that Andrew went and found his brother and brought him to Jesus. And then we also know later in other gospel accounts that time goes by because um, he brings Jesus to the house after a great, they caught a great bunch of fish, remember? 
And he falls on his yeah. face and says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He's starting to get to know the Lord. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. But he hadn't left yet. And then that night they go over to Peter's house and his mother-in-law is sick. It's the Sabbath. And and, uh, and, and Jesus heals her. And and when this, the sun goes down, then all the people of the city go to the house where Jesus is. And all night long, uh, all, yeah. all that night, Jesus healed everybody in the city that was sick. So, wow. so the next morning, Peter gets up early. By this time, he's had he's had events and and things happening to him that that are chipping away at his soul. Yeah, you know that that are beginning to just break him down. And and so he goes to the thing that he knows best, which is just repetitive living. And Jesus mm-hmm. finally comes walking by, right on that fateful day that he records. Because remember, the Gospel of Mark is actually the Gospel of Peter. It's it's him it's him dictating the gospel to his to his nephew Mark. He calls him his son in in First Peter. My son Mark salutes uh, you, right? So so he's actually you're getting this account firsthand from Peter to Mark, right? In the gospel, so he say, man, in that day, after he healed my mother-in-law, after I'd seen him do all, after Andrew introduced me to me, all this stuff, and he says, but when he walked by that day, I could not re- Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I could not resist any longer. Yes. You know, he got he got to me, man. And and it says I forsook my net, Mark, and we followed him and, and we've never been the same again. And it began a three and a half year process of walking with Jesus that that would culminate in, in Jesus rising from the dead and all those things we've been talking about, right? So now there's now let's close with this, right? So so when we read now back at first Peter chapter one, verse three, with all that background in it, when he says, blessed be the God and father of my Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, there's so much behind it because he's wanting to announce to that, that first early church, which is a type of this last day church that is, that he's very familiar and he understands what they're feeling because he went through it himself. But he writes to them like a faithful shepherd, right? He of his Lord's church. And he understands what they're feeling and he, he sets out to strengthen them with words, right? Not not born out of some book somewhere or some secondhand knowledge or some tape series you heard from the latest fair haired <laughs> rabbi of the day. No, no. Right. You know, this this was a life uh, that had been radically changed by his Lord and 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 and, and he has that fellowship with them. And so he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. And so literally what he's saying, you know, he speaks to them from that overflowing heart, you know, with truth and personal experience. And and, and he wants to announce to them. So he says, blessed. That's the first thing he says, which means praise and celebrate with praise and adoration. Uh, you know, the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you know, we need to praise him and celebrate him uh, because of what he's done, because he's trying to elevate, you know, the, the, the church of that day into that realm of this ecstatic yeah. ex- experience, that they would know God at that level so that they could anchor their soul to the promises of God rather than the current situation of the day. And here is where the great disservice has been done in the modern church. Because it has taken the saints of God and caused them to focus their energies on the temporary, on the here, on the now, how Jesus can fix my situation here. And Peter knows all about that, right? Because that's what he was about. Man, 
you know, I got to pay my taxes. I got to feed my mother, uh, my mother-in-law. I got to feed my kids. I got to feed my wife. I got all that stuff. I got to run this business. He understands the need for that. But now all these years later, as he's writing, being very familiar with what they're going through, he writes to them and says, I want to elevate you and understand that this, this whole world is passing away. And we need to celebrate and praise the God and Father of our Lord. I, I, we ain't got time to get into all that, but but it's a beautiful thing how he references uh, the humanity of the Lord. Because he says he was a man and he had a God. <laughs> and that God mm-hmm. was his Father, right? He wants us to know him as God and then Father, because that's how Jesus introduced him uh, to them. And he and and he talks about him and and, and he says we need to ad- adore him and celebrate him uh, with great praise. So he says, "Blessed be the God." One day we'll, we'll explore that whole thing. But, but blessed be the God and Lord willing and and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, He's literally saying, "Listen, uh, that word abundant mercy it literally means He had compassion, kindness, goodwill, and love." toward the most miserable and afflicted people of the earth. And that's literally what he's saying, really towards humanity as a whole. And 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 it also comes with that abundant mercy comes with the with the feeling um that he had compassion towards us with a desire to help us. You know, that's what he's literally saying is he you know, you need to celebrate him. Because this whole rough, ugly old world and this oppressive world, this crazy society that you find yourself in, he's saying you celebrate God with praise because he he has he's produced you again he's caused you to be born again to a lively hope and that word lively hope literally means to live to breathe to be among the eternal living he points them again towards eternity it's not a dead hope it's a living hope it it speaks of an endless life in the kingdom of God and it's a hope which has anticipation and expectation in it. And that's what he's lifting them to. That's where he's trying to turn their vision to. Because he understands. He knows what they're feeling. But he also understands that this is something that caused me to leave everything else behind. And and now as a full age, as an elder, right, as an apostle, you know, he's speaking it with such authority and such exuberance and such anointing. And, and he says, this is a living hope, people. He says, and and, and, and it, it's the kind of hope that, that you should be feeling a sense of anticipation and expectation for the promise of that hope. Because that came, by the way, and how we anchor ourselves to it is that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I mean, this is incredible. You know, Peter... Peter Peter went to his to his own crucifixion and martyrdom based on what he witnessed. It's not something he said, we haven't followed cunningly devised fables when we when we told you of the ma- majesty of our Lord. We were eyewitnesses, they said, of his glory. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Son. And we'll go all the way to our martyrdom declaring it. That's why when they write about yes. them in the book of Revelation, it's so profound because it says they overcame the devil. How? They, they overcame mm. the devil by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their life, this temporary natural life, even unto the death. The devil can't fight against someone like that. And this mm-hmm. is our great apostle, right? 
And he says, you have a living hope. No matter what may come in these coming days, brothers and sisters out there, like it was in the early church, no matter what horrors we have yet to witness, and trust me, they're coming. Let us anchor our hope in a living hope of expectation because we serve a living Savior, a resurrected Savior. He's no longer in that grave. He is no pretender to the throne. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Son, the only begotten Son of the living God. Muhammad can't do that for you. Confucius can't do that for you. Your Christian yoga sessions, oh, come on, I'm going to get in trouble now. Can't do that for you. <laughs> no way. Only Jesus can do that for you, right? So he says, yes. we've been, we've been, we've been uh, by the resurrection from the dead, to an inheritance. You know, what he's referencing is, is that, you know, our inheritance when we were born, before we were born again, was the inheritance that our former father gave us, which was Adam. And he says, you have a living hope now. All you had before, you were born into a world, and what was left behind for you was death and corruption and decay. Oh, it's beautiful to me, brother, because this is an apostle who, he wasn't a theologian. He wasn't schooled at the feet of Gamaliel like a St. Paul, brother. You know, he wasn't a Paul who could uh, write Latin and Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of thing. He wasn't fluent and, and a scholar. This was a fisherman. You know, but he's talking in great depth here. He's talking at such a high level and ministering at such a high level. That's how extensive the transformation was from what we described earlier to now, a foundational stone of the very church of the living God, of Jesus himself. So much so that when John writes about it, doesn't it say that that the foundations of 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 the heavenly Jerusalem, the stones, those 12 foundational stones have their names, the names of the apostles written on them. <laughs> My God. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so he's saying, look, man, all you had before was this inheritance of death. He says, but because of this great God and father of our Lord, who, who he raised from the dead, now you are born again. He loved you so yeah. much that he didn't leave you in that, but he's born you again into an eternal hope. And your inheritance now that you've been born into a new life and a new heaven and a new earth, which is coming, he says, ready to be revealed in the last time, right? He says, it will never decay. It's immortal. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It's pure. It's free from corruption. It's unsoiled. It's uncontaminated. And it will not fade away. It's perpetual. It cannot be extinguished or pass away. That's what all those words mean. And it's reserved in heaven for you. And that word reserved is so profound because it, it says that it's be, it literally means to be watched over or guarded so that it, it, it cannot suffer loss or injury. In other words, no one can touch this that has been given to you by Jesus Christ's resurrection from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, now into you. And and it's it's literally this this hope is kept in custody. That's what it means. Because remember what Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave, right? He's he's protecting. He's protecting your promises. He's protecting your very soul. And 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 he's alive and, and, and he is life and he owns life. He is eternal life. And he's protecting that life for us in the presence of God. It's reserved for us. In the abode of God. And that's what Peter's saying, right? 
So I just wanted to encourage us today and all of us, you know, my brothers and us, we're trying to encourage you today, you know, so that as we go forward in the days ahead, you know, let us look to that which has been set before us. Let us, let us lay hold of the great apostles' words who, who, who calls us to a higher truth, to the only truth. And, 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 and let us look at what our Lord has purchased for us because he's purchased a destiny that is so grand and so expansive and so glorious. And we will live with him in the ages and ages to come forever and ever and ever. That's why Peter would say in Second Peter, Peter looking for and hastening unto that day, looking for that day when the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And, and, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth mm-hmm. righteousness. That's yes. what he's calling us to. This world is not our home, but we have a home and we have a reality that is far beyond that which is defiled and decaying. Everything is dying. They're, the only expectation that those who don't know the Lord have in this life is death, hell, and the grave. But the child of God, that's why Peter was so exuberant. And he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again unto a lively hope, right? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, reserved in heaven for you and me, and ready to be revealed to us in the last time. We have a lot to shout about, brothers. And I'm hopeful yes. and happy, and, and we have an, a, a living hope, an expectation, and we can sense it. Those days are upon us, and it won't be very long in the too distant future. We're going to hear the sound of a trumpet and a shout yes. and the voice of the archangel, hallelujah. And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. That's what it says, and we're going to be with him forever. And ever and ever, ages without end, to behold his glory and to praise and serve him forever. That is an inheritance undefiled, pure, uncorruptible, and wherein dwells the saints of God with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Any closing thoughts, brothers? Powerful. You read the epistles, and when you read of the apostles, they're they're changing men. Um, from from fishermen to scholars uh, on things that pertain to the kingdom of God. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a proclamation Glory to God. of a man who is dead to this world and whose affections have shifted from the things of this world to the world that is to come. This is his proclamation. This is what he says is is the inheritance of the saints. This is what the Lord is telling us to do. This is what he's telling us to allow him to do within us. Yeah. This this is what's ahead, church. We're headed towards those new heavens and the new earth. Where are your affections? If your affections are on this earth, you cannot make this kind of proclamation. But if your affections are things that are above, then there is a joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half has not yet been told, right? (laughs) This is where we're headed. 
Very can good. you make this proclamation? Ask yourself that. What Peter is basically saying is, I couldn't do this before. I couldn't speak like this. I couldn't feel like this. I couldn't praise him like this. But now I can. I don't know, know where I'm going. That's the key. Your worship is predicated on what your faith is on. On this material world, the things of this world, or Jesus Christ, our hope. It's a lively hope. It's unending. Yes. The the world that is to come is unending. It's forever. It's forever. That's where our hope should be at, Church of God. And when you have that hope, you can bless him, you can sing, you can shout, because the king is coming. Amen? Amen. Amen. Powerful. Amen. Powerful. Any words for the Jeremiah? No, I, I really uh I really just agree and uh just wanna echo what Pastor Fernando was saying as well. You know, Peter in his epistles he sounds like a guy that, that's just that doesn't have any hope in this world. You know, and I always go back to what the apostle Paul said and he said, If all you have is hope in this world, you're most men the most miserable. You know, and he would go later on to say in 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 his epistle to the Colossians, he would say, set your affections on things above, you know. And, and as we always say in World Harvest, look up, right? And it's so Amen. true because if we just yeah. look at the now and the superficial, we're going to lose hope fast. You know, we have a, a nation that is declining mm-hmm. at a rapid rate. We have humanity that is, that is really living in, in a time without God where they don't want God and they're removing God. And so we as believers have nowhere else to look but up because our redemption is, is coming really soon. And that's the hope that I believe that is going to purify us and that at the same time is going to keep us in the faith. You know, and that's that's the hope that, that we have. And that's why we're so joyous when we speak about the word of God. And, and, and you know, we're just so joyous because we our hope isn't in this world. Our hope is in, is, is in what's coming in the future and what Christ has in store for us. Right. And and it's like God says he knows the plans he has for us. Yes, because we have something greater that's coming and that we're that's awaiting us. And so if we just endure through this right now, you know, we'll be all right. And and if we just keep looking up because our redemption is coming really soon. And, um, you know, I just wanted to add that in there and just really echo what you guys were saying, you know, and to the listeners out there, you know, just just keep your hope in Christ. Keep your hope in the word because it's a sure foundation because you can't put your hope in any political movement. You can't put your hope in any church, in any, in any man, any pastor, your hope should be solely in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're here to do just to encourage you and to let you know, to put your hope in Jesus Christ. And I just want to leave you guys with that. Amen. Amen. I like that. Jeremiah, I like that. There's nowhere left to look, but up. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Yep. <laughs> I think that's uh that's I think that's evident, right? It's almost to the Amen. point like you know, like the Lord did it on allowed it on you know, to happen on purpose where everything's so shaky. You know, yeah. your your money, your fun, your entertainment. Yeah. So it's almost like you're saying, Okay, you know, you got nowhere else to look up. You know? <laughs> but uh Amen. Great God, man. It's interesting, man. Isn't it Peter a fisherman? 
I call him the yes. cussing fisherman because yeah, he was at one time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, isn't that amazing? And now look at him in the epistle saying, "My God, uh, you know, according to His abundant mercy that has begotten us." What he's saying is, "Oh, yeah. one day the Lord apprehended this poor, pitiful. <laughs> I feel like preaching this camp meeting right now, my brothers and sisters. I got a hold of this cussing fisherman called Peter. He got a hold of me." Something yeah. got a hold of my life, and that was the mercy yeah. of God. And and when He got a hold of me, He changed my heart. To, he changed <laughs> my mind. Hallelujah! Unto a lively hope. So Jesus uh, apprehended Him first, but then He apprehended the hope. Hallelujah! And He called Amen. it a lively hope. Let me tell you something, <laughs> listeners. You better get a hold of this hope. Because yes. John says it is this hope that will purify you in this hour. Mm. Mm -hmm. We need to get a hold, like Peter, of this lively hope. Let yeah. it be alive by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a way. What a way to end this week. Let me tell you something. Let me remind you something. We got the best of the trade. We traded our sins, our sinful life, for a holy life. We we changed our destiny from hell to heaven. Hallelujah! From our dead sins to a to a life, a living hope in Christ Jesus. I pray that you are encouraged this week. And as we go into the weekend, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know in whom we have believed. May God bless you. May God keep you. And keep looking up.